Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty today. On episode number 111, we've made it through week eight in the NFL, which means we're actually halfway through the fantasy season. God willing, leagues uh, will crown champions eight weeks from right now. Uh, dynasties will begin for many of us. I hope that you're enjoying the season like I am. I actually had a terrible week personally. My, my team's finished three and five this week. But like I say every week, win or lose, it's a joy to watch football all weekend and cheer on all of our dynasty teams. So uh, today, after game uh, week, everything except the Monday night game, I'm going to give you some of my overall thoughts, talk about some waiver wire, um, only analyze one trade. There's only one trade in all my leagues this week. And then we'll also just talk about uh, some of the sad injuries that happened this week. Thankfully, there weren't very many. Let me just start with four overall observations from this week after watching and following all of the games on Sunday. First, Wayne, I would say that there's opportunity rising, and then my second point will be there's opportunity falling, particularly among the uh, rookie running back class. You know, to everyone's surprise, an undrafted free agent, James Robinson, is far and away the leading rookie running back this year. It's crazy, huh? Uh, that doesn't mean that he holds the most dynasty value yet, but there's still a lot of uncertainty among the rookie running backs that had a lot higher draft capital after eight weeks of play now. And after this week, two rookies really saw increased opportunities to live up to their current dynasty values. So that would be Zach Moss. Uh, he got the most carries of his rookie year so far, 14, and scored two touchdowns. As most dynasty analysts predicted, Moss would earn the role of the short yardage running back after Devin Singletary struggled with that part of his game in his rookie year last year. Singletary is still highly involved in the offense, but this was the first time that they share the same number of carries at 14. And so it's clear that Buffalo preferred Moss in the red zone. Um, pretty encouraging for Moss owners as they're starting to see maybe the kind of switch positions there as a the lead running back. Similarly, uh, J.K. Dobbins tried Gus Edwards for the number of touches on Sunday against Pittsburgh. Edwards kept his role as a short yardage back, and he did vulture a touchdown from Dobbins. But Dobbins still had a far better, well, he had a slightly better fantasy day on the same amount of touches in leagues, at least the leagues where you get like a three-point scoring bonus for 100 yards. They were real close either way. What was really impressive, though, was Dobbins' 7.5 yards per carry. And I really just think that coaches have to believe it's about time for Dobbins to become the lead back. So like Buffalo, uh, Baltimore does seem committed to rotating running backs, but I suspect that Moss and Dobbins will both start to get more than 50% of the touches on their team moving forward. Now with that cop out, that was uh, opportunities rising. Now let's talk about some opportunities falling. On the very opposite end of the spectrum, uh, two top rookie running backs see their role scaled back. On a day where the Jets were allowing the Chiefs to throw all over the field, Clyde Edwards-Belair, CEH, uh, and recently acquired Le'Veon Bell had the same amount of touches on the ground and in the air. Six on the ground, three on the in the air. Bell, uh, as Bell gets more familiar with the offense, I believe this 50-50 split with CEH is going to continue. But the news is even worse for Jonathan Taylor, who played horribly on Sunday and got out-touched by Jordan Wilkins 21-13. More than that, Jordan scored on the goal line after Taylor could not punch one in, 
and then Naheem Hines scored uh, two touchdowns on pass plays. However you look at it, CEH and Taylor are far too talented to be busted in the NFL. I really believe that. I think they're going to make, be, make an impact on our dynasty teams, but it appears that their teammates now, right now this year will hamper their opportunities for production, at least in this year. For now, I'm holding their dynasty value steady among the top 10 ranked running backs, which they're both in my top 10, Taylor and CEH. But I have to admit that I am a little bit concerned now that we're halfway through the season. Third thing I'll observe is that one of these is not like the other. One of these is not like the other. We all love handcuffing running backs, right? And while we don't actually root for injuries, we are thrilled when one of our players suddenly has a starting running back role. And this week it became apparent, though, from my opinion, that even the best handcuffs are nowhere near as talented as their starters. As great as Kareem Hunt is, I just think he is no Nick Chubb. Chubb was averaging, six, averaging 6.9 yards per carry, 94 yards and one touchdown per game before he was injured. His yards per carry is so high because he's so good. He's just good for one or two explosive plays per game. Hunt has been solid as a backup, but he's yet to break a long play like that. He scored more fantasy points, in fact, in the games that he played with Chubb than in the games that he played without Chubb. That's pretty wild. He scored more points with Chubb than he did when he had the job to himself. I just think that Chubb is a -a one-of-a-kind player, and he's going to prove how much better he is than Hunt when he returns from this injury. I think I can say the same thing for Boston Scott and Miles Sanders. Uh, Scott's played admirably. He's averaging just over 10 points per game in the three games that he played when Sanders missed this year. But Sanders has averaged 15 points per game in games that he has played. Again, what's lacking with Scott is the ability that Sanders has, like Chubb, to have that breakaway speed. Sanders was averaging 6.1 yards per carry because he's also due to make one or two explosive runs per game. Scott's reliable and shifty, but he just lacks the breakaway ability of Sanders. Chubb and Sanders are really some of my most owned and my most favorite dynasty players. Uh, My teams are really struggling this year without them. In the few leagues, even where I do have their handcuffs, they're still struggling. You could say the same is true just real quickly that Dalvin Cook proved this week how much better he is than Alexander Madison. And I believe we'll see the same next week when Christian McCaffrey returns to show how much better he is than Mike Davis, who's really fallen off the last couple weeks. Fourth overall observation before we talk some injuries, I'll just call it boom or bust passers. Boom or bust passers. Some weeks, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen have carried Dynasty teams to victories. In other weeks, they left Dynasty teams needing additional players to outperform their predicted points because they play so poorly. Uh, Josh Allen's boom or bust weeks really split in half. You know this by now. The first four weeks, uh, he averaged 33 points per game, while the last four weeks, he averaged 17 points per game. Uh, Lamar Jackson tends to be more toward alternating weeks. He's actually been playing worse in home games than he has on the road. He's averaging 25 points on the road while only scoring 19 points at home. And it's actually 16 points at home if you remove the first game of the season against Cleveland. I just think that teams have learned how to take away some of how Jackson took the league by storm last year. Um, He's a fantastic player, and I do think he's going to have more boom weeks than bad weeks. But better coach teams in particular, I think, are going to find ways to contain him this year. As for Allen, I'm actually far more concerned. He seemed to prove his doubters wrong, who kept, you know, said that he was just really athletic and inaccurate. Tried to prove them wrong at the beginning of the season when he had a 71% completion rate in those first four games. But his completion percentage has now dropped to 62% in the last four games. He gets to face the number 32 defense and the number 23 ranked defense in passing defenses the next two weeks, number 32 and 23. If he can't get this corrected, 
um, and, and stop this downward trend, I think I'm going to have to move him much further down my dynasty rankings. Well, right now, he sits pretty comfortably as my number four ranked quarterback, which that's going to change if he can't show something in these next two weeks. Let's talk some about the injuries that happened this week. Uh, poor Kenny Galladay, he left with a hip injury, giving his managers a goose egg. I should know. I own him in two places, and he did not start the season well when he was injured, and now he's got this next injury. Um, at the beginning of the year, Galladay's absence really affected the Detroit offense altogether, but for some reason this week it didn't. Marvin Jones, TJ Hawkinson, and Marvin Hall still performed well, casting patches, passes and touchdowns from um, Matt Stafford. I think if Galladay's uh, injury lingers, Hall is worth a waiver claim, which you'll hear me talk about later. And I think Jones then, uh, Marvin Jones, becomes like a wide receiver three for fantasy teams. And Hawkinson, of course, he's an every week starter anyway. Stafford may take a slight downgrade with Galladay out this year, um, but Detroit's pass catcher's dynasty value just really remains the same. Next entry was Daryl Henderson. Henderson left the game before the end of the first half, leaving Malcolm Brown and then finally rookie Cam Akers gets to split the workload for the rest of the game. Akers needed this injury to have a real opportunity to prove himself after not making the most of his few chances earlier in the season, causing him really to move down to be third in the depth chart there. Uh, he didn't do well. He did he did well, but I don't think he did well enough to prove that he can move past Brown if Henderson misses some games. I think the Rams' uh, running back rotation that continues to frustrate dynasty owners, I think it's going to continue to do so. At that time, at the same time, uh, Acres managers should at least be a little excited that they're going to have an opportunity to play. They're going to have the opportunity at least to see him. But based on Henderson outplaying Acres to start the season, I still have Henderson ranked far ahead of Acres in my dynasty ranking. Henderson's ranked 17th, Acres at 44. So Acres could close that gap a little bit if he can play well. If Henderson misses time, next is Tevin Coleman. Man, poor guy. Happens to him all the time. He returned from IR this week only to get hurt in the first half of the first game back. Coleman just can't stay healthy. And then it was Jermichael Hasty that led the team on the ground while Jarek McKinnon led the running backs in the passing game. With all the other San Francisco running backs are injured right now, Hasty and McKinnon should both have fantasy, you know, be fantasy valuable players in the weeks to come until Raheem Mostert comes back to take the lead role. Uh, Hasty was a waiver wire ad in most dynasty teams, uh, most dynasty leagues this season, and his dynasty value is certainly rising with this new opportunity. I picked him up in a few leagues this year, a few weeks ago, and I plan to put him on the trading block right away just to see if any other managers are more excited about him than I am. I like him, you know, for some spot starts this year, but not so much for his future. But maybe someone else will see differently, so I'm going to put him on the block. And finally, thought about not listening this listening this one, but I will. T.Y. Hilton. I thought about not, not listing this because he's just been uh, not in anyone's starting lineup since the start of the season, uh, where it's been really apparent that Philip Rivers and he have no real connection. Uh, Hilton's value has fallen too far to sell him, so he's really like in a dead spot in our dynasty rosters right now. Uh, while the the other uh, receivers that Zach Pascal and um, Marcus Johnson have played well and even better than Hilton, Rivers has really just spread the ball around too much for anyone to be a reliable starter for this year. Uh, let alone really raise any dynasty value. Though injured, <laughs> wide receivers Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, they actually remain they actually maintain the highest dynasty value of all these Colts, which is pretty wild. The two injured guys have the best dynasty value uh, still. Let's talk a little bit of waiver wire. Um, as a reminder, I play in 27 to 30 man leagues, so we're talking about you know 300 plus players rostered. So true dynasty leagues, certainly there's better players than I'm going to mention here, but if you play in true dynasty leagues at roster 300 or more players. Here are four players that I'm looking to pick up this week, and I'll list them in order. 
first would be Jordan Wilkins. Um, as I said uh, earlier, Jonathan Taylor's yet to prove that he's better than the far less talented Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins this year. I still believe in Taylor's long-term dynasty value, but Wilkins would be the, my top waiver wire priority while Taylor learns how to play in the NFL, which apparently he's doing. Uh, this week was Wilkins' first week to out-snap and out-carry Taylor, but it's also the first week back after a bye week, which means this could be something that they evaluated during that bye week, and it may be a change that they plan to implement you know, going forward. For that reason, Wilkins would be my top waiver wire priority this week, just in case that really is their plan going forward. Second player is Marvin Hall. Um, I would target Hall if, Gall- if Galladay really is injured for a while, especially if I had Galladay on my roster. And I'd even look to add him in most leagues uh, this week, even if I didn't have Galladay on my roster. Uh, while he didn't do much in the early in the season when Galladay was out of the lineup, he stepped in this week and had 113 yards on four catches, and he tied Marvin Jones with seven targets among the wide receivers and had a nice 73-yard catch and run. If news comes back that Galladay's injured, uh, well, injury will cost him some time. I think I would look to add Marvin Hall this week if I had another wide receiver I could drop. Next player is uh, from the dead. We got these last two are from the dead. Deontay Foreman, Hokum Horns. He experienced dynasty owners will remember that Foreman was kind of an end of the first round or start of the second round rookie draft pick in the 2017 rookie draft. Uh, he had a great rookie year before tearing his Achilles on a long touchdown run. It took some time, but he's finally found himself back on a roster. The roster looking for a player capable of de- backing up Derrick Henry, too. Who's to say that it can't be Foreman? I know I picked up Jeremy McNichols off the waiver wire a few weeks ago in hopes that he'd become Henry's backup, but I think I'd look now to drop McNichols uh, for Foreman or any player kind of in that McNichols range to get Foreman on my team just to see if he really does become the number two back there in Tennessee. And another guy, speaking of first-rounders, uh, second-round rookie draft picks, back from the dead is Samaj P. Ryan, who scored his first touchdown and had the most playing time on Sunday than he's, that he's had in years. He carried the ball 10 times, caught one pass while spelling Gio Bernard. He's definitely a third-string running back in Cincinnati, so I'm not going to look at him unless uh, it was like a super deep league. I know in my deepest 14-team league, I picked up P. Ryan a week, a week ago after freeing up my roster with a IR transaction that just gave me a free spot to try to pick someone up. That's about the only kind of move that I would look uh, to try to pick him up uh, this week. Finally, let's talk trades. I always say that it's hard to grade trades when you just see them on paper or see them on a computer screen because you don't know the scoring, different formats of each league, nor do you know um, what each owner was trying to do, if they're in the buying market or rebuilding market. And so I like to analyze the trades and give you a little a little idea about what very active owners in my leagues, what the, how they're valuing players because these are trades that actually went down in my leagues, and then I provide the context for what, what happened with the trade. This is pretty strange. Most weeks I've had between five and ten trades in all my leagues. This week I only had one, and so here it is. James Robinson and James Washington, so double James. James Robinson, like I already said, the highest-ranked rookie or the highest-scoring rookie running back. James Robinson and James Washington was traded for Damian Harris, Rex Burkhead, and a 2021 first-round pick. So picking up two running backs in New England, Damian Harrison is starting to show something, Rex Burkhead, and a 2021st, all for James Washington and James Washington. So this trade took place in my 14-team Superflex half PPR tight end premium league. The trade was actually between two competitors that are in the top four in the standing. So both are both are competing. So one manager obviously believes that rookie James Robinson, he believes in him. And the other believes that the emerging second-year player in Damian Harris. I think that's really the rub of this trade right here. One really believes in the future of Robinson. One believes in the future of Harris. 
Robinson has been, like I said, the high-scoring rookie running back this year. Even though he was an undrafted free agent, his lack of draft capital and Jacksonville's poor record, plus the several draft picks that they have next year in the first round, first and second rounds, I believe, have caused some managers to believe that Robinson could actually be replaced by another running back in the 2021 class. And Harris has much greater draft capital, having been drafted in the third round by the Patriots in 2019, but he did nothing to impress um, until the last few weeks of this season and on Sunday when he had his first 100-yard game and one touchdown. Harris really was, honestly, he was one of my favorite running backs in the 2019 class, so I would like to believe in him more than Robinson. That said, Robinson surprised me this season. I think he's proven enough to be the future lead running back in Jacksonville, allowing Jacksonville to invest draft picks in other positions. After what I've seen this year, I really like Robinson ahead of Harris, which is why I think it took this additional first-round draft pick to acquire him. And given that pick, uh, first-round draft pick, I think this trade is pretty equal, pretty fair trade in my opinion. But knowing that the first-round pick will be a late pick in this 14-team league, I think I prefer the Robinson side of this trade. I think you've got a number one bona fide running back there uh, for years to come. Not know, don't know if you can definitely count on that with Harris, but maybe you can hedge your bets in Harris plus whatever first-round pick that you get. I still think I like the Robinson side of that trade. Well, that's it for my Week 8 analysis. I really appreciate you giving a listen. That's it for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than Twitter, so contact me that way. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Until next time, thanks for listening. I appreciate your support, and I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. You know what to do until next time. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.